Uh, the opening remark would be how incredible our fan base is, and they answered the bell today. They were elite, and we noticed it. Um, it's special, special to be at Georgia, and they impacted the game. Kirby, I think I heard you say this would be a four-quarter game. Uh, obviously, you guys have had some really fast starts the last couple of weeks, and your defense continues to kind of dominate. I mean, what about that formula to, to you know getting these big leads? Yeah, it's a hell of a formula. You think we can keep it up, Mark? Okay, I'd like to start by saying uh, thank you to the BBN. That's for you. Um, they really showed up in a big, big way today and had an impact on the game. They affected the football game in a very positive way. Have you ever heard this place as well? That's incredible. That's a, a fantastic stat. Uh, thanks again. <laughs> you know, thank you. That's pretty, pretty awesome. No, I, I can't remember that. You know, I, uh, um, I'm sure that's frustrating on their end, but uh, I credit our crowd and a, a home field advantage. And it was really nice to deliver, you know, to, for the fans because we've had things teed up before. I know how it gets and it's hard. You know, we play a tough league. But to have it teed up, to have a sellout, and then come deliver and play like that, I'm happy. You know, really am. We practice it. I have no idea why they jumped offsides. I mean, I'm not a mind reader. Hell, I don't know. I mean. I said we weren't going to do that. We were going to follow the analytics, follow the book, and not get scared because we're in Alabama and, you know, not have confidence in our players and punt. Because, again, you can punt and then go score. They scored every possession but one in the first half. So. Um, you know, I know it looks bad when it doesn't work, but again, you can punt it away. It just takes longer for them to score. Uh, I don't know about you guys. I feel like I aged about 40 years during that game. Uh, I don't know if it was the same in the press box, but man. Oh, welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bretton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane. Who goes by Big Orange Balls on Twitter? What are you up to, you big Kentucky homer? Hey, buddy, what's going on? <laughs> yeah! The long-awaited reveal of Cousin mm. Shane. How's that beer taste today, brother? Oh, it's bittersweet, Mike. I, I can't believe I'm this upset after a Tennessee victory. Not just a... <laughs> Not just a victory, just an ass whipping. And I I couldn't sleep last night thinking about this. I played this damn fight song about 15 times on my phone here, just trying to figure out these damn lyrics. I'm going to tell you, Mike, uh, well, greetings to everybody that's listening. You probably have wondered for a long time what big cousin Shane looks like. Well, now you got it. I got my big blue circled K on here. I got beers in both hands. I'm ready to uh, – I'm ready to pay up, pay the piper, as you would. Well, before you do that, Shane, and now this is a perfect time. If you've not jumped to the YouTube page yet, you're going to be missing out because this is live. This is on video. So mm-hmm. head on over to that SEC podcast. Throw us a subscription there on YouTube. It's completely free, and uh, we put up daily content there. But that's all I got, brother. How about you take it away after locking <laughs> up them Florida Gators? Oh. You, are, you are like a Lannister. You pay your debts. That's it. Mike, Mike asked me, he said, why the hell did you place this bet? I didn't even ask you. I didn't go to you. And I'm telling you, Mike, I, I felt so damn confident that the Florida Gators were just going to steamroll Kentucky. And I'm sorry, Big Blue Nation. 
Actually, I'm sorry, Florida Gators, because <laughs> you guys dropped that one. <laughs> but that's a we'll get into that. But um, a, a dead's a dead. I made a I made a bet that I was going to sing this damn song. Let me get it pulled up. I gotta get it. All right, y'all ready? Here we go. Let me get my beer ready. Oh, what a stupid song. All right, here we go. On on you okay? We are right for the fight today. Hold that ball and hit that line and bring wildcat star will shine and we'll fight for that blue and white as we roll to golden varsity and we'll kick pass and run till the battle's won and bring on the victory. Oh, there's another one on UFA <laughs> and we'll rock for a fight today. Hold that ball and hit that line. Every wild card watch when we'll fight for that blue and white and roll to you know what? That's good. I don't I didn't promise two verses, Mike. <laughs> Here's you, Kentucky, Florida Gators, you suck. Mm. All right. That's the longest damn fight song I've ever heard. How about you? <laughs> One second, Mike. All right, so we're gonna cut Shane's video off at that point. We're just, man, we are so backwards. We're just, it took us hours to figure out how to do this quick segment. So, hey, we'll get Shade full-time video at some point. But, hey, yes. like, like you said, he's a man of his word. And let's just start with this game, Shane. 20-13, to 13, huge. Biggest win maybe of the Mark Stoops era here. 5-0 and Kentucky Wildcats. Tops in the SEC East, tied with Georgia here. Undefeated record in the SEC. And it kind of goes without saying, saying Shane, you were pretty surprised by this outcome, huh? Man, well, that's the problem, Mike. I've never been more secure. Like, I'm just – I couldn't wrap my head around the fact that this was a touchdown game in Vegas. So, I, I've never been more sure of a bet in my life. And that's how confident I was. I was even thinking – every parlay that I did, I included this game because I thought it was a damn shoe-in. You know what I'm saying? Right. And it was not. It was not. And 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 – one thing I didn't factor is just how loud it gets in Kroger, baby. <laughs> yeah. Man, and I'll tell you what, that was a theme all day on Saturday. We've seen it a little bit already this season with, um, you know, the games that stand out, Arkansas at home against Texas. But this weekend really was uh, a separation of home field advantage. The Florida Gators were just, you know, they were not prepared for this thing. And, no. you know, we'll get to Arkansas, same deal. I think you could even say possibly Ole Miss as well. But uh, nowhere was it more apparent than the Florida Gators and their 13 penalties. I, b I believe they had eight false starts in the game. Basically, any time they had something going for them, there was a false start, there was a holding, there was conservative play calling. I mean, what in the hell are we doing with the game on the line, Shane? Uh, first and goal, and we're throwing swing pass. We're trying Jeez. screens. We're trying, hey, let's try our 25th quarterback draw. Let's see if that works for us. <laughs> I, I mean, what in the hell was uh, Dan Mullen doing? And, and it, you know, he's one of the best in the game. I think that's why it was so flabbergasting of, of what the hell they were trying to do offensively. Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's almost like he didn't even game prep for this thing, it felt like at times. It was very vanilla on the offensive side. And then when they did try to get fancy – it, was, it felt like it was at the worst inappropriate times. Like you said, that little swing pass, that – I mean, you had four shots at the, what, six, five-yard line? There's no reason 
that Emory could not have walked in on one of those plays and they just they got cute and it backfired. And, I think it was even worse because there was a penalty, so they then they got through four more cracks and they still couldn't. Yeah, do what it. was it like? They had like ten opportunities <laughs> at the goal line, so they just they hell. I mean, like I said, kudos to Kentucky. Uh, you know, they they came they they dominated. Yeah. So, but I, I will say this, Mike. One of I mean. Because we're that's what we do. We're, we're uh, what do they call it? Sunday quarterback in here. Mm-hmm. You're looking at how this thing. I mean, you look at that. I, I look back at that second quarter when Florida just. It felt like they wasted an opportunity to get some points on the board right before half. What did you feel that way? Oh yeah, without a doubt. I mean, three timeouts in your pocket. Uh, they had, I believe, it was around 97 seconds. They they would have had to go, you know, a, a, a long distance. It's not like they were at mm-hmm. midfield or anything, but. Again, we're talking the Florida Gators, Dan Mullen, prolific offensive play caller, maybe the best in the country. Uh, the, the, the ball game's 10 to 7. It's, you're on the road. It's not like you're going to win this game, uh, you know, 10 to 7 in the second half. So, you know, this is college football, man. This isn't the yeah. NFL. You, you don't got Tom Brady back here. You can't just, uh, right. you know, play it conservative and, and think you got uh, the world's greatest defense. That's not the way college football is played. You have to – they don't have to go balls to the wall because, you you know, turnover would have killed you there. But yeah, it would have been very easy, I think, for Florida to get into field goal range at the very least. And, hell, uh, that may have been the difference in the ball game if uh, Florida Gators had, you know, that, that extra three in the second half. It would have – potentially played out way differently and you know we say Kentucky dominated but you know Florida's defense held their own Kentucky's offense outside of that uh, terrific Wondell Robinson touchdown they were largely held in check and I think that's a credit to the program that Mark Stoops has built where you know one side of the ball could I don't want to say they didn't carry their weight but they just didn't have their greatest day and what happens the defense steps up the defense was incredible today. The special teams step up. They made the play of the game with the block field goal return for a touchdown. That was the the moment that uh, you pretty much knew Kentucky was going to win this football game. So, again, I, th- I think it goes back to the culture and the program and and just uh, the, the remarkable rebuild that Mark Stoops has done there in Lexington, wouldn't you say? No, absolutely, man. I mean, you know, you talked about signature wins. I mean – Think about it. What's the other big signature victory at Mark had? I mean, that's that's just how tight these these games are always. It seems like they always get down to it. It doesn't matter what talent's on what side of the ball. Uh, these guys are going to play each other tough. And I, I just I, I'm with you, man. I, I don't want to take anything from Kentucky because I was afraid to watch this game when I was watching it. I, second, I got I got sick, man. Think about not just not just the bet that I made, but the hundred dollars. None of that. It's just I've never been more sure that a team was going to lose, and uh, it backfired, man. How about this stat, Shane? Dan Mullen, when he got to Florida, the Gators had a thirty-one game winning streak over the Kentucky Wildcats in his four seasons in Gainesville. Kentucky has beaten Florida twice, two out of four after thirty-one in a row. And again, I'm not trying to pile on Dan Mullen because I said it every offseason. And, and hell, I, I still stick with it. I think he's one of the best coaches in college football. But it's just remarkable how that has uh, kind of swung the other way. And particularly when you even factor in that uh, he was so successful over Kentucky at Mississippi State. So 
It's just one of the uh, oddities there in college football. We had some trolling after the game. The official Florida or the official Kentucky account trolled Florida. Kentucky linebacker Jones trolled, trolled Florida. And then the best shade, I don't know if you saw this. I'll play it on the YouTube. But Kentucky fans, they want them Bama. You don't want No, you don't. Yes, we do, man. But when this one was over, Shane, the Kentucky fans were having them a night. <laughs> and my favorite was them chanting, we want Bama. Kentucky fans, you uh, you you deserve the right. Hell, you're 2-0. and you're, you're at the top of the SEC East. I get, I get the uh, exubilation. But sounds like we got one rational man up there in Lexington, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it wasn't me for those that keep asking. So... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but hey, I'm not doubting this team right now. I, that's one thing that I, I doubted Kentucky since week two, mm-hmm. and uh, I can't do it anymore, man. These guys, it doesn't matter what happened or what's thrown at them. They just find a way to win, and uh, that's why they're sitting there undefeated right now. I mean, it blows blows my mind. If you would have told me, is Kentucky going to be 5-0 and and just beat Florida Gators at home, you know, if you would have asked me that about a month ago, I would have called you nuts. I still can't believe it. <laughs> so enjoy it, Kentucky fans. This is a big, big victory for you. But you got to get back to work, man, because if you are going to – if you're going to give the East a run for their money, you cannot afford to do what you did like uh, against UTC. Okay, I'd like to start by saying uh, thank you to the BBN. That's for you. Um they really showed up in a big, big way today and had an impact on the game. They affected the football game in a very positive way. And I really can't thank you enough. And, you know, I've been working hard for a long time to provide that type of team, but uh, that's what we need it like every week. We could recruit players when our, our stadium's like that. Our players will play hard, and it affects uh, the offense as it did tonight with some of those pre-snap penalties. Really uh, a, a big shout-out to you. I mean it. Uh, it, it. It definitely affected the game. That was a tough hill you know, to climb right there, to stop them seven, eight times is brutally hard. If I'm not mistaken, there was another pre-snap penalty down there that helped us, yeah. one or two. And, I mean, again, thank you to the, to the, to the fans for affecting uh, the play. Um, and, uh, you know, I thought Brad and the defense played it, uh, unbelievably hard. We mixed it up. We went zero a couple plays in a row when we had to. We held up in coverage. We got pressure. We played some zone. You know, we mixed it, you know, mixed things up. And, you know, it's one heck of a stop. False start penalties. Florida, five on third down, one on fourth down. Yeah. Have you ever heard this place as loud? That's incredible. That's a, a fantastic stat. Uh, thanks again. <laughs> you know, thank you. That's pretty pretty awesome. No, I, I can't remember that. You know, I, uh, um, I'm i sure that's frustrating on their end, but uh, I credit our crowd and a, a home field advantage. And it was really nice to deliver you know, to, for the fans, because we've had things teed up before. I know how it gets, and it's hard. You know, we play a tough league. 
but to have it teed up, to have a sellout, and then come deliver and play like that, I'm happy. You know, really am. Well, in the SEC, you're not going to come in and make the mistakes that we made uh, and win a game. I mean, that's, that's a good football team, top 25 team. You're playing top 25 team on the road. Uh, here in the SEC, great crowd. You know, Mark. Uh, Mark's built the program up. That we, we know that that they're going to be. Uh, they're they're a, a top twenty-five team year in and year out now. Uh, and you give them credit. They, you know, they had a they had great energy. Their guys. Their guys played hard. Made plays at, at key times during the game. But I mean, you're not going to make all the mistakes that we made in the course of a game and expect to win any. You know, not going to win in the SEC doing that. Last one for me. This is the first game really we've seen under you where the offense has just sputtered. Do you feel like you were almost outcoached tonight? No, but you know, 382 yards. It's I guess that's sputtering. Is that it? I don't know. 380. We had 382. They had 211 yards. So uh, I, I wouldn't think that would be the case. Uh, I think. Uh, Guys played. Guys did some pretty good things right there, uh, moving up and down. I think uh, we got to really look at the penalties that we have and how to get ourselves in a better situation that way. Uh, you know, I got to do a better job coaching up the PAT field goal group. Uh, they're a physical group. We outrushed them. Uh, we outpassed them. We outtotal gained them. We had the time of possession. We were better on third downs. All right, Shane, we're moving on. We had a big game here in Athens. At least the hype was big, and uh, the game did not live up to the hype because them Georgia Bulldogs, Shane, they're everything we said they were, and then some 37-0 whooping here noon for a noon crowd, Shane. I think this was the rowdiest noon crowd I have ever seen in my life. Kirby, you know, he seemed like it was a challenge all week to – to get these fans fired up and ready for to create this home field advantage because he knew that could play a huge factor in it get in the game and it did because uh you know it really snowballed early for the Arkansas Razorbacks you know they had not allowed a single point in the first quarter I made a, a note of that on Friday's show and what did Georgia do without JT Daniels even suiting up mind you they just went right down the field with perfect execution scored a touchdown Three and out, Arkansas. Three and out, Arkansas. Punt, block, touchdown. Georgia up 21-0 to zero before you could blink. And from there on out, I mean, the Razorbacks never stood a chance in this one, mm-hmm. thanks in large part to these fans. So, I don't know. What do you take away from this one, Shane? <sighs> Man, you know, don't give up, Arkansas. <laughs> I mean, think about it. You were the eight. What were you, the eighth great team in the country there mm-hmm. for a minute? Right. Think about where you were two, three years ago. You this this game, it, it it's it hurts. I've been there, man. And the fact of the matter is you, you're still building something over there. And the fact that you're moving quicker than any other new coach in the SEC is it's just impressive. So I, I think the biggest takeaway is just don't 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 fold up and, and quit on your team because Four and one Arkansas, man, I take that in a heartbeat. Look at who you beat, A&M, Texas. You went to Georgia. You made some mistakes, and they took advantage of you. Don't let that happen again. Rebuild. I, that's what I get. Now, on the other side, Mike, <laughs> Georgia may be the best damn team in the entire country. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? I, I'm, I'm looking at him. It's like you got Stetson over there. That What, he had 47 yards passing? Because they didn't have to. 
That mm-hmm. defense is just and, and I love the stats that people kept coming out after week after week. Well, look at who they played. Look at this offense. Look how bad this offense is. It doesn't matter who's on the field. Georgia finds a way to just choke them, choke them out every single time. And this was no different. Yeah, 273 yards on the ground for them Georgia Bulldogs, only 75 for Arkansas. And they were leading the SEC in rushing attempts heading into this one. But uh, they just had nothing doing. And, you know, I I think we're really seeing, Shane, in, in, in college football and in the NFL, and if you watch the Peyton and Eli Monday Night Football, that hell, they teach you more about football than uh, any other announcers mm-hmm. you're going to get. But, you know, they reference it time and time again. Defenses are playing back. They're not letting you get the explosive, explosive plays on them because those explosives will kill you. So what do people like Barry Odom, what's so ingenious about what he's doing? He's keeping everything in front of him. He's making you go 10, 12, uh, 14 plays to score a touchdown, and they're daring you to run the ball. Now, the vast majority of teams, they'll make those mistakes. They cannot sustain drives like that. What does the Georgia Bulldogs got that most people don't? They got those monsters on the offensive line. Mm -hmm. They go about four, five deep at running back. And like you said, they didn't even – need Stetson Bennett uh, to do much through the passing game, 72 passing yards. And, you know, normally if you if you say Arkansas is going to hold Georgia to 72 passing yards, you got to think, well, hell, they got a shot in this ball game. They stood mm-hmm. no shot. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's really, you know, the Georgia Bulldogs just, you know, it, it it's kind of wild. We'll get to Sam Pittman comments here in just a minute, but it almost mimics Shane Beamer from a couple weeks ago. And he just – my God, they got all these five stars all over the field, and they just lean on you, and and there's just they're a matchup nightmare. And even for the number eight team in the country, and hell, we're already seeing it. Arkansas, well, Arkansas is overrated. Hell, I thought Arkansas should be top five. They they deserve that type of billing. Yet going into that buzzsaw in Athens, we saw what happened. And uh, man, I, I'm right there with you. I've been saying it all along. I think Georgia Bulldogs, the team to beat in the SEC. I think they're the team to beat for the national championship. And Mike, what this, I think the scariest part is they're getting better every week. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you look at, there was some really sloppy play when they opened up the uh, opened up the season with Clemson, and since then it just seems like every single week, not only does that defense get better, but the offense is starting to take a next step. This offensive line took control. When they didn't have to pass because there was so much push up front. Those guys were averaging over five yards of carry. It didn't matter who was doing it, whether it be Zeus, whether it be Cook, it didn't matter. They just moved the ball at will. And that's that plays well with the defense. If you can keep them out there all that time, I mean that's that's just that's what that's Georgia's wheelhouse. And they're gonna continue continue to grow. Now my only question to you, Mike, and this is something we talked a little bit about when we did that little Twitter thing, whatever you called it. Mm-hmm. The spaces. But, uh, yeah, yeah, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, that thing you told <laughs> me to get on there. But I, I'm just curious, your thought, the fact that they don't have to have the passing game involved, do you think that's going to catch them one day? Do you think that's going to backfire when you see this basically conservative play calling on offense, rely on your defense. Do you think there's ever going to come a a time? Because there's some teams out there that I still think can give Georgia's defense a little bit better run for their money. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's going to backfire the fact that they are not actively 
using those tools right now. I mean, potentially, uh, especially when you reference it, you know, the, the games they got upcoming, like the Florida Gators, potentially. We're going to play Auburn t- next week. They're looking. Uh, hell, we'll get to them. But they had a, a very impressive win here on Saturday night. And then in the SEC championship, whoever they play, you, you know, it's looking like it's going to be Alabama. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, they're going to have to get that. But, you know, it's something Kirby hit on in the, his postgame remarks. It's not – you know, it's not – like they came into uh, each game saying we got to run the ball 57 times. It's dictated by the defense you're looking at. And, and it goes to exactly what, uh, you know, I was kind of referencing. I mean, that's what Barry Odom does. And I think it's because, you know, they've got elite linebackers. They've got a really good defensive line now, but outside of Jalen Catalong, I don't really think they have any all conference, all American type players in the defensive backfield. So, I think they play that, uh, you know, keep everything in front of them style of football because they don't want to get burned on the back end. So if that's not mm-hmm. what the defense is giving you, you pound away on them, and, and that's what Georgia did, and, and they just couldn't stop it. So, yeah, yeah. To, to answer your question that there's going to be bigger challenges, you know, you're not going to get everybody at home and things of that nature. So uh, we will have to develop that. But I've already started to see it, Shane, and – and get in some of the games they played this year, including South Carolina and UAB. I know those are not the strongest of competition, but if they translate what I saw in those games to upcoming ones, I got no concern about Georgia's offense. But one final thing I got on Georgia, I wanted to really give this guy a shout out, Shane. Zamir White, senior running back who came back. Oh, yeah. And you know, we all know his injury history. He's had a couple of knee surgeries. I don't know if you caught this, but on the punt block, you know, I know that was a spectacular play, and that was the play that kind of busted this thing wide open. The thing that caught my attention, and it maybe it's just my ignorance, I should have known this before, but Zamir White's on the punt team, Shane, and he was cheering harder than anybody. And I just, you know, I said to myself, this is a guy that could be in the NFL right now. Like I said, he's had the injury history. He's the starting running back for the Georgia Bulldogs. How many, you know, senior running backs are willing to do that and I think it says a lot about him and I think it says a lot about the Georgia Bulldogs that they put they want to put their best players on special teams because they know it's importance but I, I don't know I just think a totally uh, selfless you know act there and I think that that speaks again to why I think Georgia is uh, the team to beat because they got all this talent and all these guys are bought in and none of them are uh, too big for the for the team and I guarantee it there's not every starting running back across the country is willing to do punt team. And, and so I just wanted to give him a little shout out there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get that. But I'll tell you too, that's, a lot of that's with Kirby. I mean, you think about Nick Saban a few years back when, mm-hmm. you know, Tua was uh, on the field goal team. We were like, what the hell is he doing out there? <laughs> You're starting quarterbacks <laughs> building snaps for the field goal team. And then mm-hmm. I, I even further back, you think of NFL great Bill Belichick, um, uh, you know, Gronk got hurt on a field goal. Right. So th- that's what big elite programs do. Uh, and special teams, when they say it's offense, defense, and special teams, they don't mean, you know, 40, 40, 20. They actually mean 33, 33, 33. It's, it is just as crucial. I mean, look at the Florida game. Special teams. Look at the South Carolina game. Hell, they about we're going to talk about them if it weren't for special teams. So I, I think uh, I think you're right there. One thing that really stood out to me about Samir White, you were talking about the the knee injury. 
was that damn touchdown he had. When they slowed that thing down, and I, I don't know how his knee didn't touch the ground. I was looking, and I was like, man, <laughs> if if I performed that move right there, Mike, I'd still be in the ER, you know? <laughs> All right, Chad, uh, uh, let's kick it over to Sam Pittman and uh, Kirby Smart's post-game uh, comments. The opening remark would be how incredible our fan base is, and they answered the bell today. I think all you guys would admit um, they were elite, and we noticed it. And to come out there in warm-ups and uh, coming out of the tunnel to look up there and see every seat full at a noon kick, um, it's special, special to be at Georgia, and they impacted the game. I'm sure you didn't exactly plan on 57 runs versus – 11 passes, uh, but how much of it was Arkansas did respect the passing game? How much of it was Stetson starting and wanted to take pressure off him? Just what 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 accounted, I guess, for just having such a reinvigorated run game this week? Well, it's, 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 it's called scheme, Seth. I mean, it's not a reinvigorated run game as much as it is you take what they give you and we felt like it was important to play the game patient but aggressive. And I, I, I would have definitely thought there might have been 53 runs in this game, 57 runs, whatever there were, because that was the kind of game plan that we needed to approach it with. And you know what? It might be different next week. The best teams I've ever been around can take on the personality of what they need to take on. And I'm really proud of the offensive line. I'm proud of the offensive coaching staff who did an incredible job game planning against what is a very good defense, in my opinion, a very good defense, and they did a really good job of game planning for that. So it had nothing to do with Stetson Bennett, the quarterback, had nothing to do with the reinvigorated, reinvigorated run game. It had to do with what we thought it took to win. Could you please talk a little bit about Zamir? He seemed extremely, extremely excited after that block punt. And this is twice now, I guess, he's made that sort of play against the Hawks. Could you talk about Zamir for a little bit, please? Uh, Zamir's just incredible. There's two kinds of, uh, of players. There's the player that knows his role, and then there's a player that knows his role and is committed to his role. And Zamir knows his role, and he's committed to his role. I mean, he probably had three or four of the biggest plays in the game. The touchdown that broke it open with the run where the knee was almost down. The uh, block punt, I think Dan Jackson actually blocked the punt, not Zamir, but Zamir recovered it. Zamir takes so much pride in that, you know. Like, you have to stay after practice on two days a week and work on punt block. Well, a guy that's been here four years, that'd be easy for him to say, I don't really want to do that. I want to get off the field and go inside. But he stays out there and works on punt block because that's his unit. That's his special teams. Coach Muschamp, the, the special team staff, has done an incredible job of impact in the game. And uh, I thought that uh, there were both very aggressive calls to come after the punts, and, and Zamir recovered and just it. As far as JT goes, just, just kind of what exactly? I know it's a status with the lat right now moving forward. Yeah, it's week to week, guys. I mean, do your research on a lat injury. It's one of the largest muscles in the body. Um, it can be strained, it can be stretched, it can be torn. Uh, Dak Prescott went through this injury, and, and Dak's, we think, was more extreme than uh, – I'm getting a little bit of an echo there, Claude. Um, Dak's was more extreme than we think JT's is, but JT's is a grade one uh, lat sprain, and we think we're going to be able to get him back. Um, but we don't know when, and I know this – the men in the locker room have confidence in whoever we put out there. And I know y'all don't believe what I say. I know you say, yeah, whatever, that's just coach speak. We have confidence in our quarterbacks. 
Like, I have a lot of confidence in Carson Beck. Brock Vandergriff goes in front of me every day. So I, I'm very pleased with the quarterbacks we have. It's unfortunate that JT can't go because uh, it's not like we've done anything to make him worse. If anything, he's had a lot of time off. And we don't know if, you know, the oblique compounded the lat, but they're two separate injuries. And uh, it's been flaring up on him, and it's a painful injury that we're hopefully going to get him back from. But I can't explain it any more than that. But I'm not losing sleep over it, guys, because it's beyond our control. And Stetson Bennett is a really good quarterback. And I keep saying that, and, you know, people don't believe us, but uh, he's a good quarterback. I could uh, ask one more uh, about uh, JT. You were you, you said uh, on TV before the game that his availability would be based upon um, pregame. Was it was it um, was it close at all, or or, or um, you know, Stetson made it sound like he was he was the number one guy. Why why is this the conversation? I mean, was it close at all? He couldn't play. He couldn't go out and effectively lead the team and play. To do that, you don't need to have a strained lat. Now, could he have gone out there and handed off the ball? Possibly. But that's not – guys, you're missing the window. Like, y'all y'all are making the story all about that. The story should be about these fans. The story should be about these, these, these players that go out there and lay it on the line and play and play their butt off. And I'm so proud of our offensive line, our tight ends, our receivers – who didn't get a ton of catches and they blocked their butt off, and their defense and the special teams unit. Make it about that, guys. I mean, JT's going to be okay. Make it about what matters. And, Coach, hard to believe we've gotten this deep in the conversation, not talking about the uh, the defense in itself. Uh, was that even beyond what your expectations would have been for what they could do against this offense today? Chip, for the first time in my career, I could not agree with you more with your comment. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, that was... Yeah, Sam, you kind of covered a lot of it, but what were just, just your takeaways? You know, what, what, what allowed them to control your run game and, and, be, and be able to run? Well, a bunch of it was we started in the hole. You know, we, we worked on the stem and the movement and all that, but evidently not enough uh, because – uh, we had several jump jump off sides, which, you know, it's hard to get 10 against Georgia, let alone 15. And on the first one, it was 20. Um, you know, guys, I, I don't want to simplify this, but they just whipped us physically. I mean, it wasn't guys in the backfield turned loose or anything like that. We just we couldn't block them. And uh, we couldn't get off blocks a lot of the day. And then when we did, it took us a long time to get them on the ground. And, and uh, you know, we got to get better, uh, and we will. Uh, but um, today, they just out-physicaled us and, and, and kind of played bully ball on us and made us like it. And um, we didn't like it, but they – there wasn't nothing we could do about it at, at, at times in the game because. Yeah, Coach, uh, I know you've you got to be disappointed, uh, but the penalties, I think there are 18 flags thrown on Arkansas and uh, I think 13 of them were accepted. How do you get those corrected? And it seems like it's been a little bit of an issue this year. Well, we just got to keep working on it. You know, we had a lot of pass interference calls. We had a lot of jumped off sides, both sides of the line of scrimmage. and. I mean, we have officials at every practice. Uh, uh, we're going to have to emphasize it a little bit more, I guess. I guess we're going to have to do something to, instead of just bringing them out off the practice field, do something different 
um, because I, you know, obviously if we knew how to stop it, we would have already been doing it. And, and you guys had false starts on your first two offensive plays. Um, how surprised was that? Do you think that just had a lot to do with the crowd not having played from a big crowd really in two years? You know, I really have no idea. I mean, we practice it. I have no idea why they jumped offsides. I mean, I'm not a mind reader. Hell, I don't know. I mean, we practice it. We practice it with noise. They that we stemmed them, we moved them. They jumped offsides. I don't have any idea. idea why they jumped offsides. I wish you did. We'd fix it. All right, Shane. Next on the docket, you know, running down the elite teams in the country here, Alabama. 42, Ole Miss 21, and this game was not even as close as the final score indicated. What kind of dumbass thought Ole Miss was going to win this one? You know what I mean? Exactly. One second. Let me grab my popcorn. I want to hear your excuse on this one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. It's rat poison. And Nick wants to destroy Lane Kiffin. And that was clearly <laughs> obvious during this game. And kudos to – I'm telling you, when, when Ole Miss came out and they took the ball all the way down there, I thought we had something. Mm-hmm. And I just don't realize – I don't think anyone realizes just how crucial that drive was, the fact that they marched all the way down there and was able to get zero points off of it. I think that right there just broke their back and their momentum because Alabama had no trouble moving the ball against these guys. But there was just – uh, it felt like, I don't know, like you just released a, a big breath of air, and it's just like you could feel it in that stadium, like, golly, mm-hmm. these guys are not the same teams. Right, and that drive you referenced, 16 plays, 59 yards, ends uh, inside the five-yard line, I believe. Uh, Ole Miss drive chart, I mean, it's tough to look at, Shane. It Downs, downs, punt, downs, fumble, yeah. half, and I mean – It was just an ugly, ugly show for them, whereas on the flip side, we're looking at Alabama. Touchdown, touchdown, punt, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. (laughs) I mean, mean, they are are a damn machine. They – I think they enjoyed it, all the, all the dumbasses like myself question them. You know, like, like it almost seemed like a personal yeah. challenge. And this defense that I was uh, calling out all damn week, they answered the bell and made the team that I thought had the best offense in the country, made them look like one of the, I don't want to say one of the worst teams in the SEC, but uh, mid-tier at best because Ole Miss had very, very little going. Uh, you know, I, I thought – Matt Corral, not that he like looked terrible or anything, but uh, mm-hmm. you know he didn't he didn't get much help and he didn't make much of a difference in this one. There was there was no slowing down, and it kind of goes back to what I almost the same deal as uh, you know, the, the Arkansas Georgia game. I think Alabama looked at it same deal. Ole Miss are going to try to keep everything in front of them. They don't have any difference makers on the defensive line. Let's just ground and pound their ass. And Brian mm-hmm. Robinson answered the bell. My good, he looked like Derrick Henry out there, Shane. 36 <laughs> carries, 171 yards, four touchdowns. He's going to be SEC Player of the Week, I have to think. And uh, we didn't. I mean, Bryce Young was good, but we didn't even need him in this one, did we? No, no, that you didn't. And I was thinking as I was watching this game, I was like, how long has it been since Alabama had a Heisman 
at running back because <laughs> I think they got real potential. If they keep leaning on Robinson like they're doing early in the season, mm-hmm. don't be surprised if you have some of those Derrick Henry comparisons at the end and, and, and making his name on the ballot because the kid is impressed. I mean, it was just total domination. Now, I got to give – again, I love giving credit – to the running back, but also I got to give credit to that offensive line. There oh, was yeah. so much push. I mean, some of these holes I could have ran through, Mike. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so uh, I, I think we put to bed a little bit about how much this Ole Miss defense has improved. But you can't slip on you can't sleep on these Rebels. They still were able to score points against Alabama. They're still going to score points against a lot of teams that they play. It's just Alabama shows you. I mean. Right now, I don't know what you think, Mike, but it, it feels like there's two teams in the SEC, and this is one of them. Oh, yeah. I mean, without a doubt, it, I think it's summed up perfectly by uh, Lane Kiffin in the post game. He says, well, hell, 31. He's talking about the outside linebacker, Will Anderson. He'd mm-hmm. be the first overall pick if he was eligible. He's only a sophomore. And then he says, well, hell, their left tackle, I forgot. He'll be the first pick. So they got two <laughs> first overall picks on their on their team. And that's what it felt like because that's all they did. They ran behind Evan Neal and, and Brian Robinson took over. Uh, how do you think, Shane, after Ole Miss's hot start, you know, they got Arkansas next week. That is going to be an epic game, probably the best game in the SEC there, there's no time for either one of those programs, Ole Miss or Arkansas, to feel bad about themselves. They got to pick themselves right up off the ground and play a, a heated, heated SEC West game. Do you, which one? If I don't know, I mean, do you think both of those teams can get up for it? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like I, I again, Ole Miss went in there expecting to beat Alabama, and I love the heart. But when it what it boiled down to is just Alabama was that much more talented on both sides of the ball. This was all about defense and the running game. Mm-hmm. So I, I think if anything, they can highlight some of the mistakes they made during this ball club or, or this ball game and, and improve on because, like I said, Ole Miss has still got a very aggressive, dangerous offense, and I don't care what team they play if they're on if they hit it perfect. The, whoever they're going against is going to suffer. If you come in limping against an Ole Miss team, you're going to get your ass beat. And I'll tell you what, Shane, that Gary Danielson, he's got him a new man crush, doesn't he? Henry Toa Toa. <laughs> Had to hear about that every damn uh, you know, time he went up to the line of scrimmage. Oh, my God. He, he loves him. I, I, <laughs> good for him. You know, I mean, whatever. Let's just leave it at I, that, I, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've done. I've done had enough stuff on me this week, Mike. Come on, I ain't got to worry about Harry T down there, Henry T, and uh, Harry T. <laughs> oh, Gary down there and his love, yeah, man crush. So, no, let's 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 move on. We got more teams to talk about. Well, you know, we really, I think that going for something like I don't know, twelve or fourteen fourth downs, you know, up to this point, and um, so we really sold our players on the fact when it's third down and seven, it's really third down and three and a half. And they're going to go for it on fourth down with any kind of field position at all. So you got to have the mindset that you're going to play two third downs. And uh, we did a lot of the same things on the fourth downs that we did on third downs. And the players just did a good job of executing it. Um, and, you know, it, uh, it worked out well for us. So. Not that we did anything different. Uh, I think the whole game plan was a little bit different in terms of our approach. 
not to try to play as much situational football because of, you know, the way they play on third down. Uh, Nick, how would you describe how your defense played overall and, and uh, why did you have so much success, especially early? Well, I thought they played really well, especially in the first half. I mean, I don't know, they had 100 yards or something. Now, we kept the ball a lot on offense, which is part of the plan, too. And I uh, got some critical fourth down stops. And, um, you know, probably in the second half didn't play quite as well. Uh, maybe needed to make some more adjustments or something. Uh, but we also misexecuted some things that allowed them to make plays. So, um, and, you know, you give them opportunities, they're going to make some plays. They got that kind of team, that kind of offense. But other than the way we finished the game, uh, I thought the defense played extremely well. That was certainly statistically Brian's best, Brian Robinson's best game. What did he have extra today? What what enabled him to have that kind of performance? Well, we gave him the ball 32 times because it was part of the plan. Jace got hurt or we'd have played Jace more uh, in the game. And, you know, I've always been one of those guys when a runner is running hot, run him. And uh, he was running hot today. So uh, we ran him and he, he delivered. Uh, for the most part, he did a really, really good job. And uh, not only the offensive line did a good job of blocking him up front, but he pressed it and made the right cuts. And then he was difficult to tackle and got a lot of extra yards after first contact. Finish up. You know, I thought about it towards the end of the game. Coach Saban said a year ago, he felt like afterwards it was like every call was like the right call that we had and everything went our way. And I felt like that today for them, you know, defensively, like, you know, we go speed option on fourth down and, you know, number 10 makes a great play and catches Ely and Ely tries to cut back for some reason. So um, credit them for showing up, making a lot of plays. Wayne, there's uh, two fourth downs inside your own territory. Do you think you would have gone for those against any opponent, or, or do you think playing Alabama influenced that decision? No, that's actually opposite. If anything, I mean, 100% you go for it. And if, you know, that's the other way. A lot of people would don't do it because it's like scared money. You know, when blackjack table, you got $5, it's easy, you know put a couple of thousand out there, now you get scared. And so I said we weren't going to do that. We were going to follow the analytics, follow the book, and not get scared because we're in Alabama and, you know, not have confidence in our players and punt. Because, again, you can punt and then go score. They scored every possession but one in the first half. So, um, you know, I know it looks bad when it doesn't work, but, again, you can punt it away. It just takes longer for them to score. Quick follow up to that. I mean, you've been coaching for a long time after kind of a loss like this when you guys were rolling. What's kind of the key to kind of boost morale in the, in the locker room with, with players afterwards after a game like this? You know, make sure we understand it's one game and um, there was a lot of hype and build up for the game. And, you know, it, it, you know, one game does not define your season. You know, it doesn't define you, it molds you. So you can go one way or the other. And, I think in a way, as much as it hurts during it, it's kind of sometimes better when a game's like this versus last year where you're sitting and saying, oh, one play, and then you got to hang over, you know, and go play like we did against Arkansas. So hopefully this refocuses and shows us, you know, how we got to do everything right. Let's jump to Columbia, where Tennessee went on the road 62 points, beat Missouri Tigers 62 to 24. Eli Drinkwitz turn around, fires his defensive line coach. That, that'll fix everything. But uh, 
my goodness, Shane Hinden hooker in the lineup. I mean, this is hell. This is better than I've ever seen him play. Uh, Tyon Evans. Let's give that young man his due. He said they were going to have fun. 156 <laughs> rushing yards mm. on 15 attempts, three touchdowns, including a 92 yarder and hell. Uh, I know everybody wants to talk about the offense and for good reason, I want to, you know, throw some praise to the defense because, uh, you know, this was a mm -hmm. Missouri attack we thought was going to go up and down the field on them Tennessee Vols. And while mm -hmm. tw they scored 24, I'll give them that, but uh, they picked Basilak off twice yep. and they held him without a touchdown. This was just a complete domination. And I hear you're cracking open their second beer there. So your thoughts yeah. on it. Yeah, I'm with you, Mike. I mean, when you're sitting there at halftime and you about got 50 points on the board, you're like, this is the offense I signed up for. <laughs> this was a, this is a great game as a Tennessee fan. But I, I will tell you, as a Mizzou fan, you had to be sick to your stomach just watching this because Tennessee does not have – they don't have an Alabama offensive line. They don't have a Georgia offensive line. Mm -hmm. they, they, but it looked like they did. I mean, sometimes these guys weren't getting touched till they're eight, nine yards down the field. Mm -hmm. There was one we had that 92-yard run. It's just like – and on the opposite side, you talk about the defense. I mean, the defense got no breaks here because the offense scored so damn quick, and, but they still came out and they got got the job done. So where do they go from here, man? I, I, I We talked about this again on the Twitter thing. It, it feels like Mizzou has got to be – the most disappointing team in the SEC right now. Would you disagree with that? Uh, not necessarily because all, all offseason I was trying to temper expectations. I had Missouri above only Vanderbilt and South Carolina. And I, you know, I saw kind of the writing on the wall, Shane, because last year they beat LSU at the time. Everybody was, you know, we were all impressed by beating LSU. Mm -hmm. Turns out LSU was garbage last year. Uh, they whooped up on Vanderbilt. I think it was 41-0. to zero, And everybody said, oh, my God, this is a legit team. And then we find out what a joke <laughs> Vanderbilt was. They beat, yeah. Ar they beat Arkansas with the quarterback scratched from the game, you know, the, the day of. And <laughs> they got whooped by Mississippi State by, like, 40 points there uh, at, right. the, at the tail end of the season. So I didn't see the rise that everybody did with Missouri – I certainly think that, uh, you know, the offense is clearly pointed in the right direction thanks to Eli Drinkowitz, and we got the recruiting trending well. So I'm not freaking out, but it looks like he's completely busted on this defensive coordinator hire, and the fans are all pointing the finger at Barry Odom. But mm -hmm. you know, last time I checked, I mean, Nick Bolton was a Barry Odom guy. That That's one of your best linebackers in school history. Uh, Trey yeah. Williams for Arkansas, one of their best defensive linemen. He, that was Barry Odom. I mean, I don't think Barry Odom was necessarily the problem, but uh, I think that'll that'll save heat on Eli Drinkowitz just pointing the finger at old Coach Odom. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't think this can be fixed in the middle of the season. I really don't. I think they got to hit the transfer portal pretty hard to, to fix all the issues they got on this defensive side. Well, and, and what sucks, Mike, let's, let's be real. You think about all the coaching changes when Eli came in. Mm -hmm. I felt like Eli got out of the gate quicker than most. Right. But it feels like he took two steps back. And then you look at the other programs and what they were able to accomplish this weekend mm -hmm. uh, or, or this year so far. I'd be a little frustrated. I'd be a little upset about that. Here you got first-year uh, Apple coming in and just, just – 
I mean, just whooping your tail. So um, I, I think we got to take a long, hard look in the mirror. And like you said, they got rid of the defensive line coach, but there's still more problems. There's still going to be holes. There's still the tape out there saying that, hey, you want to run the ball? Well, you're going to have fun when you play Missouri. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, without a doubt, that is a huge, huge issue uh, for the Tigers. But on the bright side, you got a quarterback everybody loves up there. I'm not particularly sold on them, but they got they had an elite 11 quarterback sign. They got another mm-hmm. elite 11 quarterback committed and coming. So, I mean, the future for the offense is, is sky high. But, yeah, again, you got to fix this defense if you're going to compete in the SEC. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Josh, I guess it, it's more than just the quarterback, but but what did you think you saw from Hendon today? The numbers themselves look really good and the accuracy seemed to be there most of the day. I, I thought as much as anything, just great poise and understanding and command of, of what we're, we're doing. Um, you know, they came out in a different uh, structure in, in the core and, and uh, with some of our run games, got his eyes in the right place to, 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 to control an extra defender. Um, you know, I thought in the past game he did a great job, was accurate and decisive uh, all day long and uh, used his feet uh, opportunistically. And, and uh, you know, it was a huge part of us uh, getting going early in the football game. Yeah, Josh, when you took this job and you envisioned what your your type of team, type of offense would look like, how close did this performance mimic what you thought it should look like? Yeah, obviously some really, really positive things uh, today. Uh, the ability to run the football. Uh, the ability to, to stretch the field vertically, uh, to be accurate and consistent, and, and uh, uh, to be good on uh, the few third downs that we had. Um, but I, I really, I said this to the players too. We're just this is the, the tip of the iceberg. We're just scratching the surface of, of what we are are capable of. There's a whole lot more uh, for us in, in our growth. And um, enjoy this one because they're come they're hard to come by, but uh, um, no different than. Uh, in the previous week, let's come back on Monday and let's uh, let's get better. If our kids continue to buy into to that process and, and that mentality, uh, we're going to continue to grow through this season. Yeah, Coach, this is your first SEC win at Tennessee. Does it take any extra value? Do you let yourself enjoy it maybe a little more today before kind of moving on? Not really. Uh, I'm going to enjoy this one, take a shower, get on the bus, start watching the film, and, and uh, we'll start corrections from there. But uh, – um, you know, it was great, you know, nothing personal for me really in this other than, um, you know, I, I wanted, I wanted our players to get a result that, uh, that showed the type of work that they're putting in. And, uh, you know, sometimes the, the results come when they come, but, uh, our guys have been continuing to, to grow together, continuing to compete, continue to grow uh, or buy into to, uh, what it takes to, to play at a consistent high level. And, and, uh, this was good growth this week. Excited for them, and and uh, and then uh, ready to get back on a on a plane, get back to Knoxville, and get ready for the next one. We got a long way to go. We got a long way to go, but it starts with me, and it starts with uh, um, doing everything I can to make sure that we make forward progress. And uh, we didn't do that today. We took a step back today, but it doesn't have to define us. We can keep moving forward, and that's what we're going to do. With that, I'll open up for questions. You know, I just stepped off the football field. Uh, I, I haven't even considered anything like that. So I have no comment or anything like that. 
you know, were there any changes you guys made in practice that you felt would, would work for the run defense this week? And if so, what were they and how did they kind of add up? Yeah, I mean, we, we practiced what they did all week. And I uh, thought we practiced fast. I thought we got everything lined up. But uh, obviously, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, effective. What was your message to the guys in the locker room just now? You really got one or two options. You got one or two options. You either circle up as teammates and coaches and fight for each other and fight your way out of this, or you point fingers and you blame. And when you walk out of that building, everybody's going to tell you it wasn't your fault, it was somebody else's fault, or they're going to point stuff out on social media or whatever. But at the end of the day, the only people that can solve it are in that room. It's coaches and players working together as a team. All right, Shane, next on the docket here, Mississippi State. My goodness, goes into College <laughs> Station. We, man, my, my hand was about to hit the panic button here with the Aggie, Shane. Losing mm -hmm. at home to Mike Leach, the Pirate, and Will Rogers. We've, Mississippi State's been so inconsistent. But I went back and rewatched this game. And I know no one's going to want to hear this because you lose a damn game and there's no such thing as, uh, you know, moral victories here. But, you know, I, I don't really think Texas A&M's that far off either. I mean, it's just little miscues here or there. You, you have mm -hmm. a big play and then you get a holding. You know, it's kind of like we saw with Florida where you, you'll have a, right. pe a penalty once you get things going. Zach Calzada, you know, he's not terrible, Ooh. but he's not he's – not, good you know what i mean like he's 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 probably one of the better backups in the sec but that ain't gonna get it done brother and when mississippi state puts this thing together i mean will rogers played the game of his life 408 passing yards three touchdowns no interceptions he was wheeling and dealing it seems like Mike, now mike leach has got in this receiver polk that from he got transferred in there and calvin from uh, the, both from the Pac-12, and now some of his younger guys are, are, are you know, integrating into the system. This is that Mississippi State offense we've been waiting two years to get. Right. You combine that with their defense, making plays left and right, and all of a sudden, you know, if this offense shows up week in and week out, Mississippi State's got the most, you know, unpredictable and dangerous team out there, but I think they can beat damn near anybody outside of Georgia and, and possibly Alabama. But other than that, I think they could beat everybody on their schedule if they play like this. And, and I think uh, Mississippi State fans, you, you know, cannot be happier with this performance. No, man, you got to be on cloud nine after this one. And, you know, I, I spoke earlier about Mizzou probably being the most disappointed. You know who's second? <laughs> Texas A&M. I would and put them number one. By... I honestly would because I thought they yeah, would. I thought yeah, they'd be I an guess. SEC West yeah. contender. And uh, I mean, they got Alabama coming to town. They're not eliminated un until they play yeah. Alabama. But if they don't upset Alabama, which is a huge, huge task, then they're essentially eliminated here in the the second week of October. Well, who do you, who do you put this loss on? I I. Don't get me wrong. Will Rogers, Mississippi State, fantastic game. They still made mistakes, but they found a way to win this thing. Mm -hmm. But if you go to Texas A&M, who do you hang this loss on? Do you? I, I don't. I don't like identifying players, but you know, obviously Calzada is the easy answer at quarterback. But do, do you put some of this responsibility on Jimbo? I mean, it feels like. We're we're not getting any type of adjustment. It's just like, hey, yeah, we'll throw Calzada out there and see what happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, I think 
I hate to do this because they were so hyped, but I put this one on the defense, Shane. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. in critical situations, they uh, we'll we'll get we'll jump over to Jimbo's comments here in a moment. But you know, everybody's been playing Mississippi State with just strictly zone and keeping up everything in front of them, and and Texas A&M did a little bit of that. But the moments they switched to man, Will Rogers picked it up instantly, picked him apart for a couple of touchdowns. That really was the difference in the game. I know Zach Calzada threw that uh, the first interception right out the gate, first pass. Mm-hmm. That you know, anytime you got the first pass of the game intercepted, it's a huge omen for the rest of the game, and it, and it kind of was for this one. But Texas A&M still had their opportunities. They still had the ball late in the game. They were down, I believe, two, and they would have had to go the length of the field. To, to score a touchdown, but they didn't need a touchdown. All they needed was field goal. Right. They had that momentum. Uh, thanks again to the to the Kyle Field crowd. I mean, that home field advantage. Once again, it was it it started to get to the Mississippi State the young team. I thought, and it, it certainly seemed like momentum was swinging back to the Aggies' way. But then Zach Arnett's defense made the safety, and that one really was on Calzada because you you get the ball at the twelve yard line. There's no yeah. no chance in hell that should ever 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 be a safety. You got to have more situational awareness. You can't back up 12 yards and get tackled in the end zone. <laughs> uh, so I mean that was really bad. But hey, he's just a young guy that just doesn't have a lot of experience. So I will certainly put that on Calzada. But yeah, I don't. I you know I think what the problem is Shane is because mm-hmm. Texas A&M's got so many weapons. I think they were just so prepared. You remember Hayden King? He got the job pretty early in camp. It, it was like oh, a, yeah. a weekend of camp. I think they went in going with him and, you know, his mobility, and, and they were probably going to do so many things with that. And then he goes down, and not to say Zach Calzada can't run. Hell, he had a really nice rushing touchdown in this game, but he's more mm-hmm. of a pocket passer. And right. it, it doesn't seem like there, there was a ever – you know, plans or designs to have strictly a pocket passer back there. I think they're just really, really missing that true mobile threat that Haynes King. It's almost like Jimbo spent the whole offseason building the offense for King, and then that that was pulled out from under him, and he didn't adjust. You may hit the nail on the head. Let me ask you, if he was still healthy, if he never got hurt, do you think think A&M still – do you think they're undefeated? Uh, that's a tough question. I would say no, because I still think they would have lost to Arkansas. Although, man, mm-hmm. man, that's tough to say, because thinking back to that Arkansas game, Zach Calzada did not have a, a good day, brother. But um, No, he didn't. You know, from what I've seen from King, I think he's got real, real potential. But let's not make him out to be, you know, Bryce Young, Johnny Manziel. You know, he's not yeah. – he, he's still a young guy, too. So there may have been learning as well. Uh, but I certainly, certainly think they'd be a little bit better. And I hate to see that because I, I think Zach Calzada's got the world of potential. But I just don't know if um, – I don't know. It just the, – the offense – and maybe it's because the offensive line is such a mess. But they, they are just – they're not maximizing their potential in College Station right now. How big was it for you guys to come in here on the road and get a win over a good ranked opponent? Oh, that's good. I mean, it's always good. Heck, it's always good to win in Kyle Field, and I've I've done it more than most people have. So it's uh it's it's awesome to win in Kyle Field. Kyle Field's one of the greatest. Uh, I mean, I'd be willing to hear your list if you wanted to offer it, but of uh, better stadiums to play. But that 
if this is below the top five, I mean, uh, you're going to have to get another line of work because, I mean, it's not going to get better than this, you know. I remember a lady, she lived in San Luis Obispo, California, lived there her whole life. She said, I'm tired of getting, I, I can't wait to get out of this, this little town, you know, this little hick town. Um, you know, because it's going to be so much, you know, thought she's going to go to the big city, thought she's going to go somewhere more scenic. They, hey, look, it doesn't get much better in San Luis Obispo, California. So it's, it's a little bit like Kyle Field Stadium environment wise, you know. This, hey, I'd like to get better in Texas A&M. Good luck with that as far as uh, game day environment, you know. What did you like best about what your team did to, not, um, to win this game? Played together, played together, hung in there, didn't, um, you know, uh, struggle with the emotional ups and downs, you know, bounced back, responded quickly. And then what's your overall attitude of your defense's performance tonight? Well, I mean, we, I think we were a little bit, gave up too many controlled drives and uh, ate so much clock. Like I said, we only had four possessions in the second half, and the last one came with two minutes to go. And one of them was at the 10. You know what I mean? We gotta, I think we got to find a way to get some more three and outs. We got to play a little better man coverage and, and win those battles a little bit. And on third down, we got to get off the field a little bit. And, and, uh, but, you know, on offense, you got to maximize drives and score touchdowns. You know, every inch matters and playing good team. So we'll look at it. We'll, before I'm making a judgment, we'll, we'll evaluate the film and look at it. I know you still need to look at the film, but when you look at some of Zach's inconsistencies, do you, is it more having to do sometimes with reads? Is it more of a physical execution? Well, I'm going to tell you point? what, Dallin, some other. I, I mean, he made some, but he made some really good plays today, too. I mean, it don't. That's, let's go back now and, and some of that, too. It's not all Zach. And uh, that's a couple pressures. And we, we missed a blitz one time down there in the red zone. They had a chance to be a one-on-one -on -one post, and we, we didn't pick up a blitz inside and didn't pick it up. So, I mean, there he had a couple plays at the end, but he got pressure. I'll have to look at that one on the safety. I don't know what happened, but he led us on some nice drives, made a touch scramble for a nice touchdown, made a great touchdown throw on there on the other one. I'll look at one of the others in the red zone, but he's getting better and better. Each time he sees in the side, his third game he's played, and uh, we got to continue to play better around him too. The first the first interception, I mean, hits a guy perfect with the ball, give up three points. So, I mean, you know, if they catch those balls, what's that do for his confidence going the other way? I mean, that's, two, that's a, that's a double-edged sword. So, we just got to play better as a unit. and and hang together and figure it out. All right, speaking of not maximizing potential shade, LSU goes down at home to Auburn 24-19. First time since 1999 the Auburn Tigers go in. And how about this guy, Shane? Bo Nix. And let's give Brian Harson credit, too, for, uh, you know, making the tough call. I think a vast majority of people, of course, we're not sitting there at practice and knowing what's going down, but – most people would have probably played T.J. Finley in this game. Right. And, hell, I even texted Shane. I said, hey, Bo Nix is starting. <laughs> he said, put Buddy on LSU now. And I was right there with him. I mean, who in the hell wouldn't be the way Bo Nix been playing? But uh, LSU came out strong. They they got up to, a, what was it, a 10-0 lead, 13-0, something like that. Mm -hmm. But it was basically all Auburn after that. And I thought the funniest damn meme I saw all day, Shane. Do you remember that guy from uh, Family Guy, the greased-up deaf guy? No. You don't remember that guy? Oh, man, he's great. But he, Peter Griffin was always trying to tackle him, and he's a greased-up greased up guy that no one could catch. Yeah. And someone painted Bo Nix as that guy, and Peter Griffin put him in an LSU <laughs> uniform because Bo Nix could not be tackled. I mean, he was – it was like an NCAA cheat code, Shane. I mean, Bo Nix, yeah. had, he had probably the touchdown of the of the season, ducking, dodging, 
like a, like dodgeball, ducking, dodging, dipping, dodging, ducking, and throwing <laughs> touchdowns all over the field. I mean, he played some hero ball, and that's exactly what Auburn needed. If Auburn didn't have Bo Nix in this game, I think they may have got shut out. I mean, I know the running the running game came alive there in the second half, but it was after Bo Nix gave them life. Yeah, GLD 99 on that one, Mike. I've watched a lot of great <laughs> plays this weekend, but I've not watched one as many as that Bo Nix touchdown. I mean, I it was just I couldn't understand it. You know what I'm saying? Like some of, <laughs> I had to slow it down and say, how did he not get tackled there? Mm-hmm. So this is the Bo Nix we signed up for, and, and, and hopefully that, you know, getting benched, Maybe that lit a fire under his ass because, or maybe that's what he needed. We talked about that coming into the season mm-hmm. uh, when we knew that there was quarterback controversy down there. So right. I, I just, it was just good to see him get back. Now, I don't want to take anything away from the other side of the ball. I mean, Max Johnson played a hell of a game. He, I mean, he did everything he could to, to help the LSU Tigers win, but. Just that damn running game, man. If you cannot run the ball, you cannot win games. And, and I, I mean, unless you're Mississippi State, you know what I'm saying? Right. And, and I just – and they're not. LSU isn't built that way. They're not equipped that way. And, and, and going against Auburn, a team that gave up so many yards to Georgia State, I, ha- I just – it blows my mind that LSU still struggles to run the ball. 24 rushes for 29 yards for LSU. And that, I mean, that's the story of the game for LSU. Because like you said, Max Johnson came out wheeling and dealing. I believe he was seven for seven, had the touchdown Mm -hmm. pass. He was looking great. But it certainly looked like he lost confidence in the second half, Shane. He he missed a bench, would have been a a wide open first down, maybe a touchdown, would have been a game winner, but overthrow him. And, you know, passes were sailing on him and, and that's kind of what you get when the defense knows you're going to pass and the, and the offensive yep. line struggles to pass block for you. And, man, mm-hmm. it, I I don't know where LSU goes from here, man, because – and they've got stupid shit like they're having to call timeouts after a TV break because uh, they, they didn't get the play in on time. I mean, this is like 101 stuff that should not be an issue – but they were having to burn timeouts left and right, and they sure as hell could have used them at the end of the game, but they didn't have them. So yeah. uh, this is just a disaster, and this is something we talked about. I mean, LSU's upcoming slate, Shane, is uh, – I mean, it is a nightmare. You want to know what's crazy, Mike? I placed 13 bets this weekend. Guess how many I won? Six. Guess. One. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Thirteen. Bet. I'm going to start putting this out there every time I make a bet, so at least somebody can make some money. Thirteen bets, one, and the only one I got was a miracle in South Carolina. I mean, this LSU game, I had three locked up. I sent you that picture because I was again similar to Florida and Kentucky. I was uber confident that LSU was going to win this thing, so I bet against the spread and everything. And and I'm watching. I'm like. Oh, my God, they're going to lose in Death Valley to Auburn. Mm. But uh, I just give it to Auburn, man. I, I they, I was afraid that they were going to spiral. That's After right. that Penn State game, we mm-hmm. saw them sluggish against Georgia State. 
And it just felt like that could continue into this week. And they go into a tough place. And they win a game. When was the last time they won a game down there? 1999. I think about that. Bo Nix was not even alive. Bo Nix was. (laughs) Oh, man. This is a huge victory for them. Man, there's some really good games this weekend. Mm-hmm. Unless you bet against them. <laughs> so here's LSU's upcoming slate, Shane. At Kentucky, at night. We just saw what a wild environment that is. They're going to be fired up. You get Florida at home. Then you go to Ole Miss. Then you go to Alabama. Then you host Arkansas. Mm. Oh, my it, God. Is it's, it's Coach O getting fired this year? <sighs> well, let's see. Let's see how he – I mean, his, he's up against the wall for sure, I think. Uh, based on on that but you know to go back to what you said let's give Auburn credit for a lot of teams would have lost that Georgia State game and I, I think we're learning about Brian Harson the coach and we're learning uh, I think his players are learning about him man because mm-hmm. they continue to fight you know they got down early in this LSU game could have folded it in uh, but I think they responded to uh, Bo Nix, and certainly, at, you know, you couldn't imagine Brian Harson would have predicted all these crazy plays, but uh, he made the right call when everybody in the world would have been jumping him had Bo Nix came yeah. out here and laid an egg. But, uh, you know, give give that man credit. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, definitely. Well, first, I'll start with Bo. I think Bo did a great job this week coming off the last game and, and getting himself prepared for – playing LSU and, and going back on the road. Uh, I thought TJ did a great job this week as well. Uh, that was pre-planned to have TJ come in there on that third drive, and he had, he had earned that opportunity through the week of practice. Uh, but again, I, I've said this, a lot of goes into just the attention of the quarterback position. Uh, more importantly, our team, our defense, our special teams, uh, things that we did on the offensive side, tight ends, wide receivers, tailbacks, O-line, everybody doing their job. Uh, that was uh, you know, what I wanted to see and what we all wanted to see from each other in this game. It really came down to just a simple do your job um, phrase that, that we've said before and you know, making sure that we played one play at a time, just focus on that, take care of what you have to do, make sure we got the substitutions correct. Um, but still plenty of things that, that we're going to have to continue to keep working on. Um, Brian, I want to ask about the defense. They scored that touchdown the first quarter. After that, you guys held them to four field goals. Just what did you see from the response as the game went on from the defense? Well, exactly what you just said, a response. Um, you know, it's, it, it's hard. I mean, you got an, uh, you're playing against a quarterback that I think is, and we all think is a tremendous player. You're playing at, at their place against a really good LSU team as far as, you know, just physical and they got good athletes and they got, they got good schemes. Um, so our defense being able to, to make adjustments, uh, it wasn't, you know, they did things too in the game. We, we prepare a certain way, then they have, a, they have their adjustments that they make every week. And so you've got to be able to see, all right, what is their game plan? That's always the hardest thing for defense because offenses are going to game plan and have different things uh, that they're going to try to do to attack you. And so every single week, you think you know, and then you get into the game, and you really got to just dissect what's happening. And I thought the defensive staff, I thought the defensive players all did a really good job on the sideline making those adjustments, making things that at halftime, uh, making adjustments at halftime that we needed to make to come out there and continue playing that way. And 
you know, LSU throws the ball quite a bit. And, and they were hitting some guys, and you know they had a wheel route there towards the end. They got, um, you know, he bobbled it a little bit, and so you know that helped uh, put him in a fourth down situation. Uh, but they were able to make some plays too. We were in the right position. I thought we did a good job in coverage. I thought we did some things on the defensive side that, that gave us an advantage, and, and that we could capitalize on, you know, some of those those opportunities from from the calls and from the adjustments that we made and. But, you know, there were chances. There was that tip ball. You know, really want to have that. That was huge. Um, their quarterback did a good job of getting in the mix and knocking it down. That's a smart play by him. So it was just overall. I mean, really, there there were things that that our defense did tonight, uh, as far as communication and adjustments. That I was really really happy to see, and they were able to execute them. So not really, didn't you know, focus on the pass. Not really run the ball today. <laughs> How did you try to create? No, we try. We're trying to run the football. Just every time we run the football, we get stuffed. And we wanted to throw more short passes on the first down, but not, not to say that we wasn't going to run the football. Uh, we got to find ways to run the football, and we got we got to block. You know, we, we still didn't give uh, our quarterback enough time to throw. Uh, we had uh, six man protection, and we got beat one on one. Hey, coach, you already talked about in your opening statement, but what led to the issues? I think it was I think it was both. I think it was containment. And they missed tackles and getting out of our lanes. And uh, in the second quarter, we put a spy on the guy. Uh, it helped a little bit, but it still didn't help enough. Uh, it was just a matter of getting him down. We're all over him. You got to tackle him. Hey, Coach, I think Kayshawn Butte had 100 yards in the first quarter. Did they just take him away after that, or what do you think happened? Yeah, I think it's a combination of that. And uh, But I wish that uh, we could have threw the ball to him. You know, obviously, I thought that was a catch at the end, but they, they were they, – uh, Overturned it. Uh, we still wanted to get the ball to Kayshawn. And I think it was a, ma a matter of coverages, and they took it away uh, after the first quarter. I would have, too. He was, he was killing them. And perhaps the game of the week, Shad, we laughed and laughed and laughed at this one. <laughs> <laughs> Vanderbilt wins against UConn 30-28 to on a game-winning field goal by Joseph Bovalus, the uh, the former Alabama kicker. This is his second game winner of the season, Shad. I mean, he's, that's all he does down there is kick game winners field goals. But uh, this was a sloppy, sloppy game, trenched it, pouring down rain. Did you see you could get in for about two bucks? There was about 36 people in the stands. <laughs> but I watched it, brother, and I enjoyed it because this was a great one. Ken Seals had him a day, 333 passing yards, two touchdowns. Really a, a standout performance from him, including, of course, the game-winning drive to get that field goal. And, uh, you know, UConn needed some prayers to stay in this one, but they got them. And they actually jumped on Vanderbilt earlier. I, you know, people were laughing, Shay, but this is legitimately what the uh, ESPN announcer said. But he's like, the second quarter, they call it the danger quarter at UConn. <laughs> They've been outscored 100-10 to 10 in the second quarter. And as soon as he said that, Vanderbilt scored the touchdown and, and went ahead for the first time in the game. I tweeted that out, and everybody said, well, what the hell do they call the other quarter? So. <laughs> oh, you God, man. No, I, hey, good job for Vandy, man. Two wins out of five games. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. I think that's better than I expected. So, I, you know, the fans, yeah, they may not be there, but this was a big victory for those players. There is still fight on that team. Absolutely. Uh, we saw it with Stanford. I mean, Stanford just upset Oregon. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, and Vanderbilt gave them a run for their money. So right. that's that's that old, that old saying. Any any given Saturday. So that's mm-hmm. that's what Vandy's doing. Is they're slowly improving, and uh, I was just I was just happy for them to get a victory. And this is what uh, you know. This is what you want to see if you're a fan of Clark Lee and the Vanderbilt Commodores, Shane. Uh, Vanderbilt that took the field week one against ETSU, they would not have won this game. Vanderbilt no. of last season would not have won this game. It all goes to what you're saying. They're they're outmanned. They're outnumbered. They're out talented, but they're fighting, and they're fighting to the very end. They believe in what they're doing, and it's paying off for them. And it's going to be a long road. But you, you know, these are victories that you can prove to the team, prove to recruits that you're trending in the right direction. You're turning things around, and. By God, you need these games to show that uh, yep. it's not the same old, same old Vanderbilt. And I know it's not pretty, and people laugh. Well, hell, they just barely beat a UConn at home. But Vanderbilt had not won a home game in, in nine games in a row, Shane, as, as terrible as that is. But these are the streaks that we need to snap here if we're Clark Lee. Yep. People come into Vanderbilt, they, uh, particularly non-conference teams, they need to expect to, to lose to the Commodores. And right. it's got to start somewhere, Shane, and it's it has started. Uh, things could could have went in the wrong direction, but they're turn they're trending in the right direction, and uh, I cannot be happier for that to be happening to Clark Lee and company. Yeah, because I mean we're SEC first, Mike, and like you said, we're not expecting them to compete for the East right now, but or ever. I, I'm just I'm just mm. being honest with you if you look at it, but we are expecting them to beat non-conference teams that come in there and if our own team in the in the sec can't do that then that's just an embarrassment on the the whole conference so i like the fact that there was that fight there is that drive and that's how you that's how you make a program better because like you said when you turn the film on when these recruits come in you know some of these kids that aren't getting the the alabamas and the tennessees or in the you know some of if they can get some heart on that team man just just like arkansas they can play with anybody yeah, just look at Kentucky, Shane. I mean, no disrespect to their program, but where, you know, they may not be as low as where Vanderbilt was last year, but they weren't far off before Mark Stoops got there. And it's taken mm-hmm. him several years to build that thing up. But th- those fans expected to be number 10 Florida Gators. We sure as hell did. Absolutely. But those fans did, and yeah. those players did, and that program did. And that's, that's where Vanderbilt needs to look at. And everything Kentucky's got – uh, they can build that in Vanderbilt if they're patient and if they make the right moves. Oh yeah, Nashville's great, man. I mean, it's a sleeping giant. We've talked about it before. If you get the right coach in there, mm-hmm. you can do special things in there. So maybe maybe Lee's the guy. All right, last game, Shane here. South Carolina defends the home field twenty three to fourteen over Troy in one of the ugliest damn games I have seen all season. Uh, but hey, uh, we're Kind of like I was saying with Kentucky, similar things with South Carolina. With the offense struggling, the defense, the special teams, they stepped up, and that's what South Carolina needed to beat Troy at home. And again, I mean, these are games where your program goes sideways on you. Your momentum yeah. can go sideways on you. But because of the of the belief, because of the fight, because of the willingness, uh, South Carolina – Without much of an offense, I mean, you win it. You win by double digits. Uh, this is a game. Hell, you probably would have lost it under Will Muschamp, if we're being honest. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it wasn't pretty. These receivers are—they leave a lot to be desired. Uh, the running a game, 
you, you did break 100 yards, but you're only getting three <laughs> 3.8 yards a clip. I mean, the offense is, is kind of a disaster here, Shane. We, they're scoring one touchdown a game on offense, and we're still making stupid-ass decisions. How about, how about the, uh, the fumble return, scoop and score? The guy tosses it uh, up in the air as he's on the one-inch line. I still don't understand why anybody in, 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 in football, NFL, college, high school, no excuse for that. It seems to be like a weekly thing that South Carolina does something stupid. But at the end of the day, you won the ball game. Now you get some confidence as you roll into uh, Tennessee. But uh, what were your thoughts on, on watching this one? Oh, my. This this was the ugliest game I've ever watched in my life. <laughs> I, it was just – it was – I, I sent out a thing that it was comical because it was. <laughs> it, it, it was – like you think that it couldn't get any South Carolina tried everything possible to let Troy win this game. I almost, I'm telling you, there should be some investigating there because <laughs> I, I'm not saying that Vegas is involved, but it felt like it at times. Like you're not even trying anymore. So mm-hmm. uh, that one play, that's something. That, you know what? I was wrong about the Bo Nicks. There is another play I watched, <laughs> and it was the 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 fumble slash. Recovery fumble slash the <laughs> tip down the end zone. You know, the kid's running into the end zone. He drops it right there, touchback. I mean, it was the ugly. I mean, it's some, that one play summarized this entire game. Mm-hmm. So, like you said, good. I predicted that there would be a defensive touchdown. I almost got two until he threw it out the back of the end zone. And I did say the running game. Now, that's the thing <laughs> that drives me nuts is we still have not got that running game established. They got two of the better running backs in the SEC, and they just aren't finding ways to get them the ball. And I'm going to tell you, the the only, I guess, I don't know about you, Mike, other than the wide receiver there, but that little uh, McDowell, mm-hmm. boy, I, after watching him, they got to get this kid the ball more. I, I, I love I, I, I love Lloyd. I love Harris. But when McDowell came in, it felt like that was the only spark that was in the backfield. Well, it don't matter how many running backs you got, Shane, if you can't block for him. And yeah. Troy comes into your house and outrushes you 155 to 102. That is an issue. Uh, I mean, I thought Shane Beamer's, you know, he doesn't sound too upset with the offense. But, you know, one series stands out to me, Troy loses a fumble, South Carolina mm-hmm. gets it, they're knocking at the door of scoring a touchdown, they go backwards. They lost seven yards on the possession, <laughs> kick a field goal. So, I mean, it's great they got points, but then Shane Beamer comes out here and says, well, hell, we, we, only, we only punted twice. But, you know, that doesn't tell the whole story. I mean, the offense is, is a disaster right now, and you got a tennis – you're going to Tennessee next week. They just scored 62 points. I know Missouri's defense is horrible – and your defense is a strength, they're not going to score 60 on you. But, uh, you know, good luck if you're going to score 20 points and think you're going to win against uh, this Tennessee offense right now. Uh, that, that's that got to be a major, major concern as South Carolina goes back into that conference play. You got a victory, though, Mike. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's true. Let's just, let's just get this one over and behind us. A lot of people were thinking that Troy's going to win this game. So, uh, they got it, man. It wasn't pretty, but they did get the victory. But they have got to – there's just – they got to figure something out, man. They just don't have an identity on offense. Mm-hmm. They, 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 there's nothing. It's just – there's some great play calling. Like that, that van run, I mean, that was that – was, 
a beautiful play. And then after you do something like that, there's three bad plays. So right. I, I don't know. They just – I don't know what South Carolina offense is all about. I know that this defense, though, mm-hmm. is really good. And they're going to help keep this offense in games. But I'm telling you, they tried to give this one away. Uh, first of all, uh, credit Troy. I said it coming in this week, and and uh, I think it was pretty evident out there. They're a really good football team um, defensively. They played better on offense today. Did a lot of good things, and and uh, Coach Lindsey does a great job there. And and uh, I talked on Tuesday about how hard they play, and you saw that today. Um, so credit them, and best of luck them to them for the rest of the season. Uh, I don't know about you guys. I feel like I aged about 40 years during that game. Uh, I don't know if it was the same in the press box, but, man. Uh, Shane, have you ever seen anything like that couple of fumble play that Jamar drops the ball short? I guess what was your angle on it? I guess, I, I, for lack of a better term, what kind of what the hell went on on that play? <laughs> that was like the longest play in the history of college football with the way it happened. I mean, my gosh, it's uh, I see the fumble happen. I knew he was – I knew it was a fumble. Then we pick it up, and it's just like slow motion, hoping you're going to fall on the ball and don't give it back to them. And then all of a sudden it pops out of there, and you realize we're going to score. And I did not have an angle on uh, on uh, him dropping the ball before he got to the end zone. I didn't even think of that. Uh, when they initially went to review it, I asked, what are you reviewing? And it was just to make sure that he wasn't down Damani on the on the fumble. And then our coaches in the box actually told me it looks like he fumbled before the ball crossed, crossed the goal line. So I didn't mention that to the officials. I was hoping they didn't notice it. Um, but obviously they're too good up in the press box, and that wasn't going to get past them on the replay. Um, tough play. Obviously that can't happen. I mean – Jeez, that was uh, I mean, that could have been the ball game right there, and that was tough. But we, uh, we, the defense comes right back out, and just you know, we talk about it all the time. Just our mantra is just put the ball down. So dealt with some adversity, put the ball down, and go back out and get another stop. All right, Shane. Last thing before we hop off the line, the show's going pretty long, but we got some opening lines here. So I wanted you to guess. I'll, I'll give you the first one just because it's a non-conference. But North mm-hmm. Texas going into Missouri. Missouri favored by 20 points. Got to like that. But but yeah. beyond that, Shane, man, we have got nothing but a SEC slate outside of that one. Vanderbilt at Florida. What do you got for that line? Florida, 31. Ooh, man, you were so close. Florida, 35. Mm. South Carolina at Tennessee. How about that one? Uh, Tennessee, uh, nine. Oh, close. It's Tennessee 12, but that was the opening, and it, and it actually has been bought, I think, down to nine. So I, I think you're more accurate oh, okay. than you know. How about that? Georgia <laughs> at Auburn. How about that one? Oh, Georgia. Give me Georgia 13. Georgia 16. You were pretty close. Hmm. LSU at Kentucky. LSU at Kentucky. Give me Kentucky Seven and a half. Oh, 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 Kentucky minus one. How about Ooh, that? Okay. Alabama at Texas A&M. Alabama minus 17. Oh, almost dead on 16. And then the game of the week, in my opinion, Arkansas at Ole Miss. Uh, give me – ooh, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, Give me – Give me Ole Miss, too. Oh, nailed it, brother. 
Oh, really? Rebels minus two. And, you know, this is a, we'll have all the time in the world to talk about this, but I think it's a tricky one because I don't know. It's a noon game for some damn reason. And, and unless you got the Georgia Bulldogs faithful, it's tough. It's tough, brother, to have a, a massive home field advantage at noon, particularly when you're coming off a, an epic loss. So I don't know. I don't know how much home field advantage Ole Miss will really have in this one. How can I nail the damn pickums but get one out of thirteen bets right? Seven percent. That's what that was my bet. <laughs> hey, that just means you're gonna get ninety three percent next week. How about that? Oh yeah, I do, baby. I do. <laughs> Well, Shane, I appreciate you hopping on the line. I appreciate you being a man of your word and singing yeah. that Kentucky fight song. But you got anything else before we hop off the line? No. Uh, I, everybody, again, Kentucky, I, I apologize. <laughs> uh, the shirt was made by daughter number two. Ooh. So I need to go burn it real quick. <laughs> and, uh, you know, bet to bet. And, and a lot of people are wondering about the video situation. I live, like, right now, the word... I'm not going to get into it, but just just the internet situation will get better. Um, it's just when you've got a large file like that, it takes a while where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Oh, HughesNet! It's not not. I mean, I may start this thing and it may not get to Mike till tomorrow. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I appreciate everybody. Man, it's a wild weekend. We had some great football, and uh, it sounds like we're going to have some great games this weekend, Mike. Absolutely, brother. Well, I appreciate you as always joining the show. I appreciate each and every one of you for hanging out. Catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go balls.